0: Eternal Investment Strategies. I'll begin reading Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. A wise and eventually wealthy investor sees things that others overlook. He sees potential, but not only does he see potential, he will seize the moment when that potential is available. Opportunities only last a moment. But what you do in that moment makes all the difference. Today we're looking at eternal investment strategies. You know, everyone can look with hindsight and can say, oh, that was a good investment or that wasn't a good investment. What makes the difference is not the person that says, you know, I almost had that one. Boy, if I'd have been there just a little bit earlier, I could have really gotten a good deal. The difference is the person that sees the opportunity and seizes it, that grabs hold of it. It's easy to talk about what might have been But real excitement is when you're on the cutting edge of something that's happening. To you younger people, let me mention the best time to begin investing is when you're young. As I've moved here and I've been bought a house and talking to um, uh, an investment person and trying to figure out locally here what I'm going to do, the man told me, he said, you know, he said, the best thing, he looks at Zach and says, Zach's the age that you need to begin investing. If he can just take just a little bit every month and invest. He said, he can be a millionaire easily. You, not so much. You know, he looks at me and he goes, ah, you know, whatever you're going to do, that's fine. Can I talk to Zach instead of you? Because, you see, you young people have opportunity right now By just investing a little every day, by doing a little bit here and there and keeping going, you will find that it will then pay great dividends. In verses 15 through 20, in fact, 15 through 21 this morning, Paul applies the doctrines that we learned in chapters 1 through 3. You notice we keep coming back to doctrine. We keep coming back to doctrine because what you believe affects how you behave. What your doctrine is, is going to impact what you do. And therefore, doctrine really is important. People say, I don't want to hear that. Just give me something practical. The problem is, if you don't have any doctrinal foundation, what you do is just going to morph from time to time. The Apostle Paul in this passage is telling us, based on what you've learned in chapters 1 through 3, now let's talk about investment strategies. You see, investment always has a future look. Remember on Wednesday night we talked about with eternity in view, the, the things that you do out of Luke chapter 6, well, Paul then says, see then. Look at verse 15. He says, see then. He's describing something Paul knew believers could see and something that required spiritual Vision. We're going to talk about something this morning that requires you to have spiritual eyes, to be able to look beyond, to see something that the world will not be able to see. What a person sees impacts what they do. If they don't see it, they can't respond to it. He says, Knowing that evil and wickedness has no future, remember chapter 5, verse 6, He says, knowing that the wicked things of the world have no future. He didn't say that there is no pleasure in wickedness. He didn't say that wickedness won't be enticing to you. And that's an important thing because you just need to know that. As a young person and as a not-so-young person, wickedness entices us. And there is pleasure in wickedness. But what you need to know, it has no future. That's the important thing you need to understand wickedness knowing that evil and wickedness has no future he says live on purpose don't just let yourself bounce from thing to thing live intentionally and specifically what he's going to deal with knowing what we just covered in chapter 4 where he talked about let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you and every kind of malice what is he telling them he's saying look Bad things happen to you. People will misuse you. People will mistreat you. And sadly, I wish I could offer you young people something better than that. But the reality is, you will be mistreated. You will be misunderstood. You will, there will be times that you will be overlooked because of your belief system. And instead of fighting what you cannot change, the Apostle Paul says, use your circumstances for eternal rewards. Do you know, you can use even the bad things in life as an investment opportunity, but you only get it for a moment. If you don't use it in that moment, the investment opportunity is gonna be gone. This is the fifth challenge now that he gives us concerning our daily walk or lifestyle. He told us in chapter four, verse one, he says, walk worthy. He told us, In chapter 4, verse 17, he says, walk differently than the rest of the world. He told us in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, walk imitating your heavenly father and imitating your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, then in verse 6 of chapter 5, he says, walk discerningly, understanding that bad things have no future. Now we come to this last part. Where he says walk wisely he wants you to see something spiritually life is not all about now let me repeat that especially for you young people because if you lock in on this this will really help you life is not all about now it is now and for you because you've only had a certain number of years now seems like a long time Once you get to be my age and you've had a lot of years, you realize now is not so long. In fact, now seems to fly by all the time. And we have to look for the future. We're so glad to have Joy back with us and she's been traveling and today is her 70th birthday and today we are excited for you. She's had more time to evaluate than I've had. and I'm sure she would tell you she views things differently now than she did as a teenager because she has a different view of things. Knowing that, let's live with eternity in view. First of all, let's look at uh, verse 15 together. And the key thing I want you to notice in verse 15, he says, pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the details. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Pay attention to details because the details are important. The idea of circumspectly, that's not a word that we use very often. So unless you happen to be reading out of a different translation, you might read the word circumspectly and you move on because that doesn't mean a thing to you. Circumspectly has the idea of accurately or precisely. A number of years ago when I was in Mexico, I was traveling with a missionary to see if I could bring a group of teenagers to come down and help for a week or so in Mexico. And as I'm traveling in what's called the frontier, it's the area in between the United States and um, Mexico proper, where, where they've got a lot of development. In the frontier, you will find a lot of cardboard houses, a lot of people that have kind of just migrated. We see a lot of that in the news but as as we drove out of the frontier and we started getting into where they had built permanent structures, I would see concrete walls and I would see all this beautiful glittering things on the top of the walls. And those beautiful glittering things were bottles that had been broken that they set into the concrete, and that was their barbed wire. People would try to scale the wall and immediately you would cut yourself as you went over. Now, the interesting thing though is to watch Animals that live in that area and you would watch a cat that would jump on top of the wall with all this glass and The cat would walk very Circumspectly very accurately very carefully very precisely so that it wouldn't cut its paws what he's telling you is, he's not telling you to get out of the world. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, "You know, if I was telling you to never have contact with an unsaved person, you would have to be out of the world. What he says is, I want you to walk circumspectly. I want you to walk accurately. I want you to walk carefully or precisely so that when you're walking in this world, you are not cut, you're not hurt by the things that are going on. Because remember, evil and wickedness has no future. It has no investment potential. He says, I want you to pay attention to the details. Details are important. Knowing that life is short, walk intentionally. Now, I have a 40th high school anniversary coming up a reunion coming up in August and I was just texting with the former vice president of our class and that seemed like such a big time when I was there in high school but 40 years later how big a deal was that high school was big but being an officer how big a deal was that You see, having the big picture, knowing that life is short, make each of those years count. I'm so thankful that in high school we did things that mattered because high school is only four years. (laughs) At least it's supposed to be. Um, So make sure that you make it count. You know, right now it's like, oh, I don't want to do my homework. I don't want to do these things. High school is not going to last very long unless you really make it do that, okay? You can really get through it and get it done, but you need to make it count. Do what you do on purpose. Now, here's what's interesting. In chapter one, our doctrinal section, we learned some very important things. We learned knowing that that there is life to follow. You're not going to die and be gone. You're just here for a very short time. Now, 70, 80, 90 years seems like a long time until you start looking at the percentage of 70, 80 years in regard to eternity. If you were going to live 1,000 years, what's 100 years? That's 10%. If you're going to live 10,000 years, 100 years, 1%. What's, what's the deal? If you're going to live for all eternity and you've only got 70, 80, 90 years, you better use it right now because really this time is just a a blink. And if you invest it well, you've got all eternity to use everything you're going to get. And if you don't invest it well, you don't get a second chance. That's why he says, seeing then, open your eyes to something that I know you can see as believers, but no one else can see because it takes spiritual eyesight He says, knowing that life is short, walk intentionally. Do what you do on purpose. You see, we're the ones, according to chapter one, as a believer, you've been given an inheritance. Now, for some of you, again, you're going, I know what the word means, but I don't have anything to really relate to that. Some of you, though, who have had parents, grandparents who have died and passed on and have left you an inheritance, you realize what that really is like. And God, though, you know, an inheritance to me is kind of a sad thing. My mom died 20 years ago. My dad died, it'll be just a year ago, in about two weeks. He left an inheritance. I would rather have my dad. Inheritance doesn't mean much. But your spiritual inheritance, you get and you don't lose your dad. You see, my inheritance and your inheritance, according to what Scripture tells us in chapter 1, is we have an inheritance that is reserved for us. In other words, what we do right now, we're looking forward to what's to come. We're confident of riches, of rewards, and of rulership that is yet to come. We're investing now for an eternal benefit, the opportunity to put the best 401k ever into practice. Because, as you always read the fine print at the bottom, it says, you know, investments may or may not produce exactly as what we say they're going to. This is the only guaranteed 401k you'll ever see it will perform exactly as God says it will because God's the guarantor and God's the one who has all resources and he says this is the way it's gonna go. So he says, I want you to consider, see then that ye walk carefully, precisely, not as fools, but as wise. The opposite of walking wise would be to walk unwisely. You know, today you get a choice. You're always free to choose. You're just not free to choose the consequences you get a choice today am i going to walk wisely or am i going to walk unwisely foolishly your choice see life's full of choices it's not that we force you to do things no i'm just here to tell you open your eyes you can either walk as a wise person or walk as a foolish person now what do you want to walk like today you make the decision The opposite of walking like a wise person would be to walk unwisely. Unwisely about what? That's the question when we read, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, not as unwise. Well, what, what is a foolish person's walk look like? Unwisely about God's plan. Unwisely about how things end. Sometimes Christians live as if they don't know how things end that we don't know how the end of this is going to go. I don't know. What's going to happen at the end of the world? I can tell you, God wins. Satan loses. Satan's going to be cast in the lake of fire, in eternal darkness, and yet burning. I almost thought this morning I would bring an illustration on that, but there wasn't time to do it, of how you can have flames that are incredibly hot and they produce no light. That's exactly what it's going to be like. Evil has no future inheritance that's good so what is the plan ephesians chapter 1 verses 8 through 12 tells us um, god has a plan for the future wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself He says, I want you to walk wisely because I've given you the resources. I've given you the information. It's not that you say, well, if I only knew I would do it. God says, I've given it to you. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Ephesians 3.10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church. God wants us to know what's happening in the future. Eschatology, the study of future events, is important. We can't just say, well, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyway. No, it's it's the knowledge of those things that gives us courage and confidence in the future to say, I'm going the right direction. You guys are saying, oh, no, no, stay here, do this with us. That's so hard. Stay here and enjoy this. This has no future. This has eternal benefits and you only get a short time to either take the investment opportunity or drop or leave it. We invest our lives differently than the world. They are deceived by evil. They are short-sightedly pursuing sin. They're enslaved by addictions which have no future. Sin pays, but it only pays decreasing dividends and all the investments vanish at death. Christians invest their lives and priorities for the future. Warren Wearsby, the man who the commentary that we use on Wednesday nights, Warren Wearsby says, "Only a fool drifts with the wind and tide; a wise man marks out his course, sets his sails, guides the rudder until he reaches his destination." Let me ask you this question. How many Christians plan their days so that they use their opportunities wisely? How many times do we get up and every moment throughout the day we're going, how can I use this for God's glory? How can I invest this opportunity? How can I invest this hurt and turn this and to benefit the text that I read that we read together, Philippians chapter one, what was Paul saying? Oh, don't be upset. I hope you can understand that the things that have happened to me, what things that have happened to him, his imprisonments, his beatings, the fact that he wasn't free to do things, the fact that he was misunderstood. he said, "Oh, I wish you would understand that those things he just kind of passes them off, that the things that have happened to me have happened rather. For the furtherance of the gospel. What's Paul saying? He's saying, take the opportunities you have now and look at them through eternal eyes. I don't know what's happening to you right now. But I do know this. Everything can be used as an eternal investment if you will seize the moment. That's why he was saying, put all bitterness and wrath and anger away from you with all malice. And be kind, be tenderhearted, invest for the future. You see what he's telling us? He's saying, look, these doctrines impact the way we behave, what we do. Not only do we pay attention to the details, look at verse 16 with me. He says, pay attention to the timing. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You ever hear this? Time sensitive, limited time offer. What do we do? Typically tear it up and throw it in the trash because it's a scam. Sadly, that's often true. People are trying to to prey on us, but the reality is every moment of every day is a limited time offer. I will never get to preach this at this time again. You will never get to hear this at this time again. You will never go through the the exactly same thing again. What you do have is the opportunity to decide, will I take this opportunity now and invest it for the future, or will I squander it? Will I just pout about it? Will I pull back from it? How can we walk wisely? Paul now describes how to walk wisely with this limited time opportunity. He's literally saying, snap up every opportunity that comes for yourself. Note the reason for the urgency here. The days are evil. Now, what does that mean? This word occurs 78 times in the New Testament, 52 times in the Gospels and Acts, 13 times in Paul's letters. And they all have the same idea, that which is opposed to God. The days are evil, meaning the days are opposed to God. Socially, the word evil can have the idea of those that are poorly educated. They just don't know. Politically, it has the idea of someone who's in power who uses his power or her power for selfish gain. What is he telling us? The days are under the rule of one who is opposed to God. Therefore, we're not to waste opportunities. Why? Because every wasted opportunity is the thing where God's kingdom is being opposed. God's kingdom is being hindered. People are being hurt. You only get one opportunity to reach out to that individual that time. I don't know who that's going to be. You're going to be talking with someone and you're going to get that moment. You may never get that moment again. All you can do is invest that moment for eternity. What was Paul's strategy Although the evil plots against him caused him to be imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, he used those imprisonment opportunities for eternity. I can't promise you that you will not go through hard times. In fact, I can probably better guarantee you that you will go through hard times. The question is, what will you do with those hard times? He says... Pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the timings. He says, now pay attention, verse 17, to your habits. Look at verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. This is a restatement of verse 15. But here he's saying the challenge here is to have insight with the facts you've been given and understand the real nature of what's going to happen. Paul gives you a negative and a positive again. What he's telling you here is, wherefore, because of the things we've read, be ye not unwise. The word be there in our translation makes us think that it's just a settled thing. The word be there is the idea of becoming So in other words, he says, don't let yourself becoming foolish. Don't let yourself becoming, don't let this become something where you are unwise. He says, but, he says, consider this, ponder this, ponder what would the wishes of the Lord be? When you're going through a difficult time, he wants you, instead of focusing on that hard time, to seize that moment and think, how can i do what would be the wish of the lord the will is the idea of it's the lama it means to to desire the the desire of the lord what would the lord desire in this circumstance i'm being mistreated how would the lord desire me to respond in this circumstance with careful consideration Each circumstance he's telling us needs to be discerned what our Lord's desire, what his will would be. We have to ask ourselves, why does the Lord have me in this circumstance? I've been through things. You've been through things, we would say. I don't want to go through that. Jesus went through things that he didn't desire to go through, but he considered that. Hebrews chapter 12 considered, and he went through it because he saw the eternal. What are you going through? Why would God put you in that circumstance? You say, I have no idea. I just don't like what I'm in. Seize that moment and invest it for eternity. What is the Lord wanting to accomplish through this? Sometimes I don't know. I don't know until I'm through it. Sometimes, once I'm through it, I still don't know what God was wanting to accomplish. But I do know this, if I respond in a way that would meet the wishes of my Lord, I know I'm investing for the future, and you can do that. Sometimes Christians do things to you, and it's so frustrating and discouraging. How would the Lord want me to seize this opportunity and use it for good? I'm gonna be around unsaved people, and they're gonna do things that they should not do. How does the Lord want me to respond to this circumstance? You young people, sometimes maybe you live in a home where there are unsaved parents. Maybe you've got unsaved siblings. How would the Lord have you to respond to this? Parents, you've got children that are frustrating you, and they're responding poorly. How would God have you to seize this moment to invest it for eternity? Next, I want you to notice verse 18. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Paul was telling us in verse 17 that the pain is worth the gain. You know, the limited time offer is you've got to act now. You can't wait and say, well, one day I will do this. No, now is the time. I can always look back and go, yeah, next time I'll do this differently. Verse 18, he says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He's saying, pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Having challenged the Ephesians to use spiritual vision and to walk precisely and to walk accurately, not walk by the will of the flesh, but according to the wishes of the Lord in each opportunity. Paul now begins with a contrast. You notice how he's been doing this. Evil, good, evil, good. Don't be drunk with wine. Now he says, be drunk with the spirit, be filled with the spirit. Because here's what he's telling you. Whatever controls you, directs you. Whatever controls you, directs you. Notice the negative you here. Now there's no indication in this epistle that the Ephesian people were drunkards. There's no indication that they were struggling with alcohol abuse. There's no indication that they indulged in drunken behavior as the Corinthians did, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Rather, he's charging them not to allow such behavior because becoming a habit in their life would be unwise. Often the argument is, Can Christians drink or can't they drink? You know, we just want to draw the line. Can I drink? Can I not drink? What's Paul saying here? He says, you have an eternal investment opportunity, but to be able to seize the moment, you have to be able to be sober-minded. You have to be empowered. You need to be filled. We need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. The word wine here has the idea. It indicates intoxication. Intoxicated people cannot think clearly. Therefore, they have impaired spiritual vision. Impaired vision. They're not going to be able to discern specific situations and think through what the wish of the Lord would be because you're under the influence of something else. So he says, a drunk person is lacking understanding and control. Drunk driving. Driving under the influence. (coughs) DUI. Why is DUI prohibited? What's wrong with driving under the influence of alcohol? Because you can't make quick, accurate decisions. It will impact you. Literally. Sometimes. It will impact others because of your condition therefore we have laws that say you may not drink and drive what's paul saying here this is not a proof text for no alcohol we can talk about that another time what this is saying is he says don't, he says, be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Don't let yourself be under the control of something so that you can't think clearly. Never let yourself be placed under the influence of alcohol because the opportunities are too important. Can you drink? Sure. You're free to do anything, you're just not free to choose the consequences. Does that make sense? You see, this is not a battle over. Drink or not drink, drink or not drink. The whole point is, I've got eternity that I'm investing in. I've got to be very, very sharp-minded. I was doing some reading just as I was studying this. I just got to thinking, so why do people drink alcohol? And typically, uh, the website um, Origins Recovery said, for both moderate drinkers and alcoholics, alcohol has a wonderful anti-anxiety property, meaning it can in- inhibit anxiety or the feeling of stress. Sometimes you'll hear people say, I just have a little drink, it just takes the edge off. Yep, I don't know if you've ever heard that or not. What's the point? There is something sharp that's pointing them, and they're saying, when I take that, I don't feel that so badly. Whatever is cutting them is blunted because they can't think clearly. That's the exact reason why Paul begins with the negative. He says, don't let yourself be under the influence of something that will hinder you from being able to buy up every opportunity. You are literally right now as a high schooler, as, as a junior higher, as, an, as a late elementary, as an older person, every day, we are constantly in a commodities market. And you're looking at, can I do this? I can, how can I use this? to invest in this. How can I use this to invest in this? When I was talking to some of the different investment people as I was looking to buy my my home, they were talking with me saying, you know, now you can use your money this way. You could use money this way. You could use money this way. And they're constantly trying to say, how can you use this opportunity to get the most at the end of the game? We understand that financially. How about right now What can we do now to use this opportunity to somehow turn this, to parlay this, into eternal reward? Eternal investment strategies. Now, notice Paul's positive. He says, don't don't be under the influence of something, whether it's alcohol. You could also say any other kind of substance. He says, don't don't let yourself be under this because you can't think clearly. Clearly. I mentioned to you, I think it was on Wednesday or maybe it was last Sunday, of the dad who just said he was in jail and he said, I guess I did those things to my daughter. I I was drunk, I don't remember. Can you see as a Christian why we would wanna be so careful? We've lost that whole block of time. Not only may we do something that's gonna get us in trouble here on earth because we've done wickedness and wickedness has no long-term investment, but we've lost that opportunity. So now you've done double. You've not only lost the time and you not only possibly are going backwards, but now you've lost the opportunity to have taken that and used the investment for the future to where you would have something that would last. What's the positive contrast? He says, be influenced. If we're not supposed to be under the influence of something that dolls our thinking, what should we be under? He says, the will of the Lord is that we would be totally filled, totally influenced by the Holy Spirit. When we allow the Holy Spirit to completely take over, it impacts the way we act, just like alcohol impacts the way we act. You can look and see someone who's under the influence of alcohol. You can see it. If you've never seen someone like that, go park outside a bar and just watch. Watch them come out. And you watch how it impacts. You can see by the way they walk, by the way they talk, by the way they make judgments. This person is not thinking clearly. They're under some other influence. Do you know it's that way with Christians? When we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you can tell by the way a person talks. You can tell by the way a person walks. You can tell by the way a person thinks that they are under the influence of something that is different. That's why you can see a Christian. And you would say, Christian, when they're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, in that same way, what Paul is saying when he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what he's really telling us is be being filled. Remember how he said, don't be falling into unwiseness. Don't be becoming unwise. He says, be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? When you got saved, you got all of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. You don't chop people up. You got all of him. But the filling is the control. Be under the control of the Holy Spirit. What does it look like when a person is under the control of the Holy Spirit? Galatians tells us you'll see love. You'll see joy. You'll see long-suffering. You'll see gentleness, you'll see goodness, you'll see faith, you'll see meekness, you'll see temperance. You can tell if a person's struggling without Paul. You can tell if a person has the control of the Holy Spirit. And that is a choice. I choose to drink, I choose not to drink, I choose to be under the influence of some other substance, or I can choose to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And because, here's why he says this, this is not a shamey, shamey, shamey thing, okay? I don't know, we we just are prone to shamey, shamey everybody. Oh, you're a drinker, you're this, you're that. The point is, don't squander your time. You've got future, you've got potential. You've got potential investment, and you only get this moment. The believer will not be filled with empty talk. The believer is going to be filled now with edifying talk. Note that the spirit-controlled talk is not gibberish. As some people would say while speaking in tongues. No. It's a language and it ministers to one another. Let's look at the next verse. Speaking to yourselves. When you're under the control of the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, To the Lord. Notice what he describes here. Not only does he talk about your speech, he talks about ministry in music. I so appreciated Clint this morning leading us in music. I hope you will understand that's not a time filler. When we sing, we sing on purpose and we sing because we sing with purpose, and that is, we minister to one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Music is important. Any old music doesn't work. Notice he says spiritual songs. It ought to have a spiritual purpose. He talks about singing and making melody. The idea here is it can not only be vocal, it can be instrumental. It doesn't have to be, it can be. Is it wrong to have instruments in the church? Based on the text here, I would tell you no. No. But then there's one more thing that I want you to see. He talks about in your hearts to the Lord. The idea here is doing it with your spirit, with will, with choice, with intent. When you sing, every time we meet together and you sing, sing with intent, sing on purpose, sing as unto the Lord, make it part of your worship. It's not something we just do until we can finally get to the preaching. Spirit controlled living is characterized by one more thing. Notice the next verse. It's characterized by thankfulness. How can we be thankful for all things? Only when we view whatever that circumstance is as an opportunity to respond based on what we believe God's wish would be. How will I respond? based on God's wish. Instead of complaining about your circumstances, you buy up each event as an opportunity for doing the will, the desire of God, which is an investment for eternity. Eternal investment. Pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the timing. Pay attention to your habits. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Wise investors see things that others are overlooking. They see potential and they seize the moment. Opportunities only last a moment. You will only be a senior once. You will only be in college this one moment. You will only be in the workforce for this one moment. What seemed like a long time, now you're in retirement. Now you're getting older. Now you're not able to do the things you used to do. All of a sudden you say, those were precious years. I've lost them. Your children will only be babies just for a little time. It seems so long right now. But they will only be that. Seize the moment. Teach them while you can. They will only be in elementary school for a moment. Seize the moment. Don't waste them. My favorite things as I go back and look, my kids will occasionally, we take pictures when we're on vacation or when we go and do something, and they'll sometimes make books for me. And I go back and I look at those books and they're such precious memories, but you know what, they're only memories now. I can't do those things anymore. I can't hold them late in the night when they're crying and they don't go to sleep and Cindy needed to sleep and I would sit up. I can't do that anymore, we'd break the rocker. What seemed like, oh, could they just go to sleep? You know, you just feel like you can't hardly function. Those days are gone. It was but a moment. Use what you can. Satan wants you to be distracted. Satan wants you to get angry. Satan wants you to be bitter. Satan wants you to shut down. And you can't do that because every moment is only this moment. And if you buy it up now, you can use it for eternity. Start now. The best investor for eternity is a young person. Buy it up now. But if you're not young anymore, start now. Investing now is better than not investing. Live each moment with a future look. Live each day using spiritual vision. See then. People are going to hurt you. People are going to misuse you. Live intentionally. Instead of fighting what you cannot change, use your circumstances for eternal rewards while you're considering that let me just speak to maybe some today who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior have you planned for eternity just let that settle in for a moment have you planned for eternity Are you living only for today with no thought of your future? You're doing this, you're doing that, you're drinking this, you're taking that, and it's fun. But that time's gone, and it has no future. The future begins with Jesus Christ. I would plead with you today. It's your choice. Receive Christ as your Savior today.